This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Let's be frank. The App Store is overwhelming. There are far too many options and too many barely differentiated apps. When everything looks and feels the same, how can you possibly stick out? The key you already know is advertising. But these days, you can't just put out a banner ad or stick an ad on a landing page or newsletter and expect to see success. You need strategies that go one step beyond just getting a download and instead lead to a deeper conversion. To do that, you need to do a bit of inception-style marketing. When you have millions of apps out there that consumers can choose from, being able to advertise to users in other apps to create awareness and get them interested in engaging and using our app, it's become super important. You can't just create a good app and throw it out there and hope for the best. You really need to support that through effective advertising. And if you've got an app, you're gonna wanna be advertising your app inside of other apps. Dennis Mink is the Vice President of Marketing at Liftoff, a one-stop shop for programmatic user acquisition. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Dennis details effective strategies marketers should be using to get the most out of their apps and why your KPIs have to be more about conversions and engagements and less about downloads. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Dennis. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great to have you on the show. Uh, excited to talk about all things happening at Liftoff. Uh, we're going to be talking about app marketing, which is fun, and uh, uh, all sorts of, of different ways to do that and, uh, and your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? Uh, yeah, good question. I actually... so. I was coming out of my master's degree in clinical, clinical psychology. I was in Connecticut at the time. Decided, I fell in love with this thing called the internet, dating myself here. That was like 94, 95. And from there, I moved to New York City and I taught myself like website development, uh, IT skills. And before I knew it, I found myself like pitching all sorts of like what, you know, what turned out to be like online marketing ideas. And before I knew it, I built a career in online and digital marketing. And so for our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit more about Liftoff. Sure. So Liftoff is a, uh, we are a performance-based app marketing and uh, re-engagement platform. Uh, so we work with like a lot of mid to large size app publishers or companies that have an app that's sort of core to their business to run uh, user acquisition campaigns, uh, whereby we are going out and finding and acquiring users on mobile who will not just like download an app, but we'll actually engage and ultimately spend money inside of that app. Awesome. And what, what kind of companies uh, are you working or what types of companies are you working with? You know, you mentioned uh, kind of the size, but um, yeah. I, I'd imagine all, all different type of applications. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, let's the world of mobile for us, we used to divide it and I, we probably kind of still do into two groups of like, there's games, there's mobile games, uh, which is, the big driver and big spender on uh, on like mobile user acquisition campaigns, but then there's uh, but the whole non gaming side of the industry has really grown up over the last five years. So we we work with uh, we work with finance apps, uh, e commerce uh, e commerce apps, 
uh, video streaming apps, gaming apps, um, dating apps, really just kind of runs, runs the gamut across all, all, all major business verticals who are, uh, who have apps that are, you know, a core part of their, of their, uh, of their business. And then, so what, what type of solutions kind of do you offer in, in that suite of services? So, you know, at its, you know, at a, at a high level, we, uh, we number one run user acquisition campaigns on mobile. So these are in-app advertising campaigns uh, that are designed to uh, reach users who will then, as I mentioned, you know, download an app and then go on to actively engage and spend in the app. Uh, so UA is our bread and butter. Behind that, we provide, uh, we do offer uh, included like all sorts of creative services. So we will design and build and run and test and optimize those ad campaigns uh, on behalf of our customers. Uh, so the, the creative component is a very is a very uh, important part of it. Um, and then we also run re-engagement campaigns on both iOS and Android. So re-engage, I'm sure you know with this audience, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. Once a user in, you know downloads and installs an app, and maybe they they use it once or twice or even longer, we can run and we do run re- re-engagement campaigns that are targeting those users that are uh, who already download and engage uh, and retarget them to get them back into the app to continue uh, engaging uh, and spending money. So both UA and re-engagement. Awesome. And we'll get, in, we'll get into some of those, uh, those tactics here in, in a little bit. Zooming out for a second. So what's the, what's the state of like the app industry right now? Um, it seems like obviously there's more and more apps being created every single day. Uh, and, you know, apps really feel like they are, you know, the, the way that, so many companies are choosing to engage with consumers right now. Everything from, uh, you know, from large enterprises, obviously, uh, all the way down to, you know, smaller publishers. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, an understatement to say that the, the app world of apps is, is, is booming. It's been booming for years now. We are somewhere around 90% of the time that we, we people globally about 90% of our screen time or media time is now spent on our phones. Uh, and, and within our phones, 90% of, of the time that we spend is spent using apps um, as opposed to like browsing the web or, or email, things like that. It's the, it's, the, it's the consumer usage of apps that has been really fueling the growth of the app industry, which has been fueling the growth of the app marketing industry as well. Because when you have millions of apps out there that consumers can choose from, uh, user acquisition, being able to advertise to users in other apps to create awareness and get them interested in engaging and in, in using our app um, becomes, I mean, it's become super important. You can't just create a good app and throw it out there and, and hope for the best. You really need to support that through effective advertising. And if you've got an app, you're going to want to be advertising your app inside of other apps. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's one of the, one of the funniest pieces uh, anywhere where you're looking you know, you see, you see ads for apps in other apps, right? It's like, uh, like this virtuous circle of, of everybody promoting their stuff. And it makes sense, right? It's like, you're already there. You can, you know, just hit one button and click either back in if you're being retargeted or, or in for the first time, if you haven't seen it before, what are some of the challenges that, that marketers face trying to grow, uh, to grow their apps? Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a really good question. Like the, the, the question of scale, Right. So a lot of marketers, uh, a lot of mobile marketers, you know, sort of there's a there's been a traditional path to uh, to building that active user base. And, uh, you know, that traditional path typically involved, 
you know, you've got an app, you put it out there, you'll start running advertising campaigns on, on, on Facebook, right? Because Facebook's done a great job of just building a whole interface and they got crazy scale and so much insight and data on their users. So Facebook is typically where marketers will start. Let me go, you know, and you could you kind of manage it. You got to learn how you use the tools, manage it yourself. But uh, but typically most marketers, they hit a point where where the costs really start to increase and it becomes harder and harder to scale on Facebook. And then what they'll do is they'll typically go to Google and say, OK, let me start advertising on Google mobile properties. You know, like uh, so any app that's a Google app, including YouTube, they'll start advertising on and then they'll jump over around that same time or maybe earlier to Apple search ads. Hey, like so, hey, if somebody's in the app store and they're searching for a, you know, uh, uh, some sort of like budget management app. Let's make sure that our app shows up in, in those search results. But all of it, you know, what happens is you reach a point where it becomes very difficult to scale effectively. It just gets more expensive. And so then they're looking for, well, how do I continue to scale? And that's when they'll typically start looking at the programmatic space, right? Which is like every app out there that serves ads that is, that is not a Facebook ad app or it's not a Google app you know, or like, let's say, you know, cut in Twitter and Snap. At that point, there's all these other apps out there and that are that are monetizing through advertising that uh, for a marketer, you're going to you're going to want to now extend, you know, your campaigns and start running your these campaigns to reach audiences through all those other apps. And that's, you know, doing it with us, you know, with Liftoff uh, via programmatic. Yeah. So can you, can you go a little deeper on on some of the things that you're seeing, you know, the the best use cases on on ways folks are are leveraging programmatic that you see from from your clients. So I think as a starting point, you know, like I would, I always, you know, we recommend like think about programmatic as a channel, right? It's just an av- another avenue in which you can you can uh, reach your audience, you know, find your audience, reach them, and ultimately get them to download, engage, and use your app. And you know, and and programmatic is not social. It has its own unique characteristics. You can't create ads for uh, say Facebook or Google or others and just run them on programmatic and hope that you're gonna have success. It generally doesn't work very well. Uh, and when that happens, and when I say it doesn't work very well, it's like you're, you're spending money, maybe you're measuring on a, on a host install event like cost per action, or maybe on your, you're measuring against ROAS. And if you just kind of design, carry those, those, those ads over to programmatic, typically you're gonna find your, your metrics, your, they don't look good because uh, they generally will not be all that great. So. So in programmatic, you know, creative is like one of the big drivers. You're going to want to design ads that perform well with that particular audience. It's typically creative that's focused on like, it's really straightforward. And, you know, show, show how your app works in an ad. Like literally find sort of what's the core, like core feature of your app and sh- literally show screenshots and others how it actually works. Or if it's a playable or interactive ad, you know, let people kind of experience some aspect of your of your app within the ad itself. And outside of that, it's like, you know, any, any good programmatic demand side platform like Liftoff, uh, we are using very, we've got very sophisticated, sophisticated machine learning that will basically test and optimize your campaign against your target goals, you know, which is like a target, typically it's a target CPA or ROAS target. And so uh, is using ML and AI to really optimize that campaign, you're going to want to let it run. Google does the same thing. Google uses ML extensively, uh, similar to us. There's, there's, there's. I'd say in general with the programmatic, there's fewer levers to pull uh, than there is with, say, uh, Facebook. 
you know? So, but other than the creative yeah. lever, that's really the big one. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, I like that because I feel like that that's one of the things that, um, when you're talking about, you know, doing a campaign with programmatic beyond the creative, it does get to be maybe as slightly more towards the art than the science, if that makes sense. Like you, you, you need to, you know, put a bunch of different versions into, uh, to feed the beast there. So how many pieces of content and creative are, are your, are, are you working with clients to, to create, or are they, they putting into that, you know, type of an engagement to, you know, if it's a game, you know, what I'd imagine you get like some swings at the bat or, uh, you know, what, what are the types of like different creatives that would go into that? How many are they putting in, um, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. No, good question. And I think, I think I, I would listen uh, on mobile. We have, you know, what, six, seven, eight different, like, like ad formats, uh, native interstitial, you know, a couple of different video formats, banners, et cetera. You know, so that you have a variety of ad formats. Um, but but what I, what I hear you, you know, the, the question you're asking is more around like, how much creative iteration do you do? How much, you know, how many, how many variations, how much testing can you do? How much should you do? Yeah, exactly. What's that sort of testing, that that testing design and testing process look like, you know, and, and how much is the right amount? Uh, I will, I'll tell you, because I mean, I, you know, I've been with Liftoff for over six years now. I have a lot of friends in the industry running UA and I've seen a large gamut of like approaches to this. Ultimately, the amount of like testing, like iteration, like design and testing that 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 most marketers are doing is it's actually more dependent on the the size of their team, the designers, the resources that they have to, you know, to support that. So I like I know a lot of marketers, they've got, you know, decent, they got a couple of designers, and they'll be, you know, they could be testing like 10 to 20 uh, creative designs a day. That means you're spending a lot, you're spending a lot on UA, right? Because you're putting dollars against, so you need to be able to run your test, gather enough data on like impressions and clicks and downloads, et cetera, in order to like draw a, a, a statistically significant conclusion. Okay, now let's run the next test and the next test and the next test. So I know marketers that are like, will literally run like 10, 20 tests a day. And I know others that will be, well, that'll run 10 tests, you know, over, over a two week period. So I, I don't know that there's really a, like a right or wrong answer. It kind of depends on if you're a large, if you're a, a large brand or a large app and you're spending a lot, uh, you're going to want, then you have the potential of doing a lot of tests, like it, like design and iterations. But if you're like, no, we're kind of like, you know, we're not, we don't have a large budget, budget to put against testing. I got a shared designer I'm sharing with uh, uh, some other part of the org. So I, you don't have that availability. You're going to end up doing a lot less. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, as folks are measuring, uh, you said something really interesting um, about how they'd measure like their return on spend compared to other channels. This is something that I think is is so complex. If let's say you have a, a channel like Facebook that you're, you're using really well, you, you're kind of fine tuning that channel uh, to the point where you, you really understand um, a lot of a lot of the complexity of how your your you know your app is presented, you know what what is going to optimize that level of spend and everything, and you're going to switch to a programmatic. You're going to switch to um, you know some of, some more of the in app stuff. You're going to switch some of those things. You're obviously you know you could be starting from scratch, or maybe you have some old information that you went off of. But I'd imagine that 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 part is you know potentially a little scary because you're 
definitely going to lose a bunch of money up front trying to you know optimize and figure that out. So, you know, for folks who are um, trying to make those decisions to switch, like what do those decisions look like? Or not to switch, but to to say, hey, we need to run some experiments on some new channels. I think there's a. I think there is a. Um, I mean, I, I take a little bit of a broader view to that. You know, and, and when I think about that question, because I think I think that question is more more geared towards, uh, let's just say, market organizations that maybe like their 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 core business is not app. You know, is not centered around a mobile app, right? So it's like, no, our business is. We have a, we're an e-commerce business and we maybe, you know, we're a, a retailer with stores and so on. We've got a website and, you know, oh, we have, we have an app, but we don't put a lot into it. Right. I think that, I think that's probably more of a, you know, that's the scenario that I, that I think of where it's like, well, wait a second, do we want to be spending on mobile? If so, how much, what do we do? How do we approach it? What do we, what do we spend on it? So to me, the question around, like, if you're going to start to answer the question, well, how much do we spend or what do we budget towards, you know, marketing our app? I think it's, Already, if you have an app, you know what what value is it is it generating for a business? And if you find like, hey, you know what? Because typically, you know, apps are make customers much stickier than they would be otherwise. You know, I mean, I know from working with a number of uh, e-commerce companies over the years at Liftoff, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, when we could get a customer to download and make a purchase from our app as well as our desktop, they tend to uh, purchase more frequently and spend more over time. Uh, yeah. You know, and so I think that some of these questions of like, hey, how much, how much do we want? Do we do we budget towards, uh, say, like marketing our app? To me, it kind of starts from saying, well, wait a second, what's the value of the app? Like, what what do we believe we can generate, or what are we generating from our app right now? Uh, and so the budget allocation, I, I just see it as a higher level of like, uh, of like, hey, should we be investing in marketing our app? Yes, absolutely. Is there anything that we need to do? You know, are there any improvements we need to make to our app before we actually start really investing in it? Maybe, possibly. Do we have an attribution tracking solution in place? Are we using AppsFire or AdJust or Branch or Kachava? No, we're not. You know, so it's like you're going to want to make sure you got that into place. Otherwise, you're not even going to be able to like measure the performance of your UA campaigns. Yeah. So to, to kind of continue the analogy there, so if you have someone who, you know, has an app that that they are trying to figure out, you know, marketing strategy for, um, and they're they're working their way through that process of like, what is the business case? What are, you know, what are the different things? Obviously, like cost per acquisition or cost, you know, uh, of, of them actually downloading the app is one thing. And then all of the things that happen like inside of the app is is another thing. Are, are those like segmented in your mind as like different, you know, different people on the team or different, uh, you know, like different buckets? Like, how would you think about that? Because it seems like, you know, a lot of the the uh, the acquisition marketers that I know that are like killer at getting, you know, app downloads and and driving, you know, that type of performance marketing wouldn't necessarily be the same people that are working on you know, on the, on pieces internally within the app to drive, you know, additional sales or things like that. Sometimes they are, sometimes they are. And I'm just curi- curious yeah. how you think about that. Yeah. I mean, most of the industry actually, like you've got marketers that are responsible for user acquisition. Uh, and again, it's not typically, I mean, it's very, I don't see it very often these days where it's like their job is to drive downloads. Their job, you know, it's their job is actually to acquire users that will actively convert inside of an app that will generate. Yeah. Good revenue. point. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and, and that team is usually completely separate from like what's often called the quote unquote CRM team, which is like responsible for getting these users who, you know, getting these, these users of the apps to get them to keep them engaged, you know, and they're typically using like push notifications and app messaging and email to keep, try to keep these people active and engaged. So they're thinking more in terms of the traditional CRM, what's the messaging, what's the offer, you know, whatever the quote unquote offer is. And then what can we do to keep these people active and engaged inside of an app? And then there is a, there's often a third team, which is like, which is, I mean, they're not, there's always a third team of the product team. You know, and often the product team, they're like, our job is to like, you know, build and continue to build in, in uh, a kick-ass product that our customers, our users, that will that will keep them coming back. Like, what are some additional features and capabilities we can offer? Uh, how can we improve the user flow? So as people are coming in, we're getting more of them to engage with various, uh, uh, you know, various app, app features and capabilities because uh, they understand rightly so that the, the better the quality of the app, the better the user experience, the stickier it becomes. And that makes everyone's life, lives a whole lot easier. So let's talk through some more specific examples. So if you're someone in travel or finance or gaming or, or, or shopping or entertainment or dating, like all of those obviously have very different goals of, uh, of the campaign in terms of like, what is the in-app action that they're pushing towards? What are the different you know, pieces there? And you want to obviously find the people, as you said, that are that are going to drive those actions. You all use uh, unbiased machine learning to figure out how to how to learn from you know clean and accurate data. So why is that important? Why is it important to take a, a, a machine learning approach? Is it a mandatory approach at this point um, to look at that? Because it seems like uh, you know there's a lot of bias uh, in. In, in our marketing and our data and things like that. And so it's important to have, you know, unbiased data for this, seems like. Um, why is that the case? So, so I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example, right? Um, so, you know, the idea of machine learning is we're applying technology to ultimately uh, help, in this case, help us, you know, understand and identify people that are most likely to uh, engage and convert inside of an app, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how we apply our ML. And so, so for us, it's very important that we're feeding it uh, data that will help it become smarter and better at achieving that goal. So for example, I love, I love this example. So, you know, ads on mobile, I mean, it does stuff as well, like, uh, but ads on mobile, they all have like a little X box that you can click to close an ad. Okay. Most ads you can click and you close it and it goes away. Sure. Right. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this where it's, it's like, especially on your phone, you go, you click that box and you think you hit the box, but instead of closing the ad, it actually takes you to the app store. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, what the hell? This is very annoying. Why, why, why did it do that? So if imagine that, you know, you're a typical ad, you know, served by a typical, you know, uh, uh, DSP and, 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 and that happens frequently. So what does that mean? Your machine learning is looking at is looking at that, hey, I served an ad to this individual, they clicked on the ad, it thinks, right? They came to the app store, but they didn't download the app, right? And over time, you, you know, your ML is seeing a lot of this and your ML says, oh, you know what? People with certain characteristics are, you know, that are clicking on an ad and they go to landing page, they don't download. I need to start moving away from serving ads towards those individuals because they clearly are not 
they're not downloading, they're not converting inside of the app. So I need to, so your ML learns to start avoiding those people. All my people out there with our, with our big thumbs, uh, basically you're never, you're never going to get any customers with big thumbs if, uh, if that's the case. Yeah, exactly. So we see that, you know, so that, that data, you know, that, 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 that we're feeding ML like accidental clicks, that is biased data. Okay. It's very biased. Right now, what we do, uh, you know, uh, what we'll do is we implement this, you know, a long time ago, we put like, we add around that, that box to close an ad, we add like a whole dead zone all around it. So if you're, if you got a big thumb, you go click on it, you know, you're trying to close the ad, but you don't click exactly on it. You'll still click with the whole box around it, which, which is basically, I'm just trying to close the ad. I don't want to see the ad. And so now our ML is saying, yeah, this person, it was not, you're not going to accidentally go to landing page. You're going to close the ad, which is what we want to see, because we don't want to feed our ML accidental clicks, which is now going to, you know, which is going to bias our ML into thinking certain people want to use the app or, you know, click on an ad, but, and, but they don't convert. Like, so that's just like an example of like, you know, like bias versus unbiased. Like we want to feed our ML really clean data. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think that specifically with, with kind of where we're at on the exact ads that you were talking about, it really is one of the toughest part as a user, you know, going through those things, you know, getting bounced around, it creates, it's very frustrating. It's really not a very good experience overall uh, to get sort of those, those ads. And yet here we are, this is, this is what we have, right? This is kind of it, you know, screens are, are, are now getting a little bit bigger, but they're still very small. And all of those things kind of affect the larger numbers. Now, as you mentioned, might not matter in the in the in the small amount, but over time, and especially with companies that are spending millions and millions and you know potentially billions of dollars on on uh, on advertising these sort of things like that stuff, those those numbers are enormous. What are some of the ways that you can avoid those type of pitfalls? So yeah, I, I think you know there, there, I think there's a couple things, right? Um, you know, certainly how we approach again, and this is sort of to me, it's more around the question of look, I'm I want to be my goal is to acquire users of my mobile app that will go on to spend money or convert, you know, do something in my app that that will uh, generate revenue for me. And so I want to find those users and I'm willing to spend X amount of dollars per subscription, per purchase, per, you know, or I want, you know, I want I'm I'm gonna measure against my you know a return on ad spend. That ultimately is the goal of every marketer on mobile. Um, and so now let's say you're now you're in the programmatic space, you start working with partners, you know, it's like the question, the sort of it, the, the, the question, opportunity, challenge for any marketer working with a, a, a DSP ultimately is, can you help me acquire those users uh, cost effectively, you know, against my target kit who will go on to download and, ins- and convert inside the app? And then can you do it at scale? Efficiency and scale are ultimately the drivers of our businesses, the drivers of, of, of marketing apps entirely efficiency, efficiency and scale. So for us, you know, I, you know, um, that's what we concentrate on when I think about other, you know, other DSPs in the space, you know, the scale piece is often like the hard, the, 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 the bigger challenge for companies for, for like us, um, like our to, to solve. Right. And, and, and so for example, like, this is this is a really common scenario. So a marketer comes and they say, "Hey, I want to start running a campaign with you guys. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's my target 
target K, you know, KPI, you know, whether it's CPA, ROAS, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll say, oh, let me tell you about who we want to target and who we do not want to target, right? And they may say, I'm going to give you a list of, of apps I want to run my campaigns on and apps to avoid, right? A, a whitelist or a blacklist. So this is off, this often is the case, right? Where a marketer will mm-hmm. come and say, as opposed to saying, you guys use your ML to basically train on some data, go figure out who the individuals are to, you know, that are that to 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 advertise against. When you come with like a whitelist or a blacklist, uh, it's understandable, but at the same time, you're gonna basically be working with a smaller pool of users that you're gonna be you're gonna be going after. And what and the and what happens is over time you're targeting these users, your ML starts to profile and find, oh, uh, who who to go after? Who is like a high value user to target and so on? The result is you're going to limit your scale because you have to understand every day, every week, every month, there's new apps coming on online with new users of those apps, and they will not be included uh, if you are going to use go off of like a whitelist or a blacklist. And so as the pool of, of users and apps grows over time, you're, you're targeting a smaller and smaller subset of users. Basically, and I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough, but it impacts your ability to scale. And then you go, oh man, I can't really get beyond, I'm working with this DSP and I, I'm just, I, I can't spend more than 10,000 a day or 10,000 a week, you know, and like you can't get past that. And that's typically one of the main reasons is because they're, they're, they're really trying to limit, you know, you know, they think giving focus and so on on who to target, but the result is they're, they're limiting their ability to actually scale. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's a great way of putting it. I mean, I think that we do, uh, I think we do sometimes like kind of cut off our nose despite our face there. And, and I think also, you know, preferences change, the market changes, your product changes, you know, constantly you need to make sure that you are equipped to scale. Do you see, you know, it, maybe some of the examples that you work with where, some of the companies kind of struggled with scale pre-working with Liftoff and then kind of like figured out their way? Was it just like the fact that they needed a, a partner to help them through that piece or the right partner? Like what, uh, what are some examples there of, of company or of companies or apps that have, that have done that successfully? So I, I, um, I guess there, I've seen sort of two things. The first is, as I said, in this sort of the first scenario is like, uh, you know, companies will come to us and say, look, I, I'm sort of, uh, I'm maxed out on Facebook and Google. You know, it's getting, it's getting much more expensive to acquire a user uh, on these platforms. And so I'm looking to scale, you know, by exploring programmatic and seeing if that's a channel that'll help me continue to scale, you know, my, uh, you know, a- across all channels. You know, and that's, and that's, so that's sort of like one thing that's, that's, that's been very consistent with the, over the past six years that I've been at Liftoff is like, Hey, I'm just trying to expand beyond Facebook and Google because it's just becoming prohibitive, prohibitive to acquire users. So I want to like yeah, explore the exactly. programmatic. Yep. Uh, that's a very, very common scenario. Another, another scenario is, oh yeah, I'm spending on Facebook and Google, Google, and I'm working with a, you know, a couple of other DSPs. But I'm 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 sort of hitting the, the the cap on what I'm able to do with these guys. I want to talk to you guys, understand if you can help me. You know what potential I have in working with you guys. Can you help me grow and scale my user base on mobile? If so, how are you different or similar to the other DSPs? Or it's a lot of how are you different? Because I'm hitting I'm I'm reaching my limit with them. What do you guys do that's different from them that will that will allow me to get get beyond this uh, the, the the cap? 
of what I'm able to uh, achieve with these other DSPs. And so I think that's that's another very common scenario that we see. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And I think that people do have a lot of the the Google Facebook fatigue. <laughs> we got to think of a name for that. Um, and, and wanting to try a new thing or, or, yeah, like you said, maybe they're using another DSP and want to see what you all have to offer. You know, kind of kind of switching gears there into how you market Liftoff. I saw you have a, a podcast, which we always appreciate. Uh, uh, is always a, a fun thing. You have you know webinars and, and resources on the site and your case studies. But you know, beyond those kind of like tactical things, how do you view marketing Liftoff to uh, to other folks who are the uh, who are your target audience uh, for the people that you primarily want to to sell and work with? You know, it's interesting. I, I guess I'll tell you a little bit of a story to answer your question. So when I joined the company six years ago, and even to this day, this has been a very hyper-competitive space that we're in. You know, you've got, we've got Facebook and Google and Twitter and Snap. We have agencies out there, you know, offering to run campaigns like mobile UA re-engagement campaigns. We've got other demand-side platforms in the programmatic space specifically. So it's been a very, it's generally speaking, it's very hot space. And it's also a very noisy space with a lot of competition. Uh, early early in, in, my, um, in my tenure at Liftoff, one of the things that I, uh, I set about to do was to uh, you know, create a platform that we call Mobile Heroes that really kind of serves as a, it's a thought leadership slash community platform for marketers. It's where we work with marketers to help tell some of their stories, their successes and failures, a little, some of their background and so on. And then really form a community via Slack, online events. We do lunch clubs every month. We, uh, uh, we do offline events when, when or, you know, of course, when there is no COVID and quarantine. But we set about to just kind of like, we found that there was a big gap in the industry around knowledge sharing, especially amongst non-gaming apps. And so we created a whole platform where it's like, we are just far, far in the background of it. We bring marketers together and give them an opportunity to engage and learn from one another. Uh, and, uh, and then of course we can, you know, we're part of, we're part of the community. So some of it's sort of plumbing. Some of it is like, kind of like, you know, co-creating content with these marketers and some of it's just creating the structure by which they are able to meet and engage and, and learn from one another. That's been like pretty central to, uh, our success marketing liftoff. You know, of course we do all the traditional, you know, B2B stuff, uh, as part of our marketing playbook. But um, but we have tried to approach marketing from a bit of a different a different approach than certainly the the typical B two B you know org, let alone within our industry. And you know a lot of those community driven events I think have been so important, especially during COVID, with just getting people together in times that that they kind of haven't been. What are some of the things that you're hearing from app creators and 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 marketers? you know, more recently with regards to, you know, challenges that they're facing. I know you mentioned, you know, a couple already, like kind of having that, that Google and Zoom fatigue, but what are some other things, some of those pain points that, that kind of you're seeing uh, from those folks? Yeah. It's so interesting. Like uh, I will tell you, so, in the, you know, if you go back to March, April, May, really through the fall, I mean, I saw it with some, with myself and so many of my friends in the industry that there was just, everyone missed, you know, really kind of missed seeing their friends and colleagues, uh, going to events, speaking, having dinners, you know, all, all the, all the fun stuff. Uh, you know, this is an industry where it's like, we collectively are, you know, working, we're on our computers 
You know, we're staring at screens, we're looking at data, we're doing some creative development. You know, there's not a ton of like human interaction. And so that, that outlet through conferences and events and dinners and so on, when that was taken away, that was like the really the thing that people missed. And, and we tried to fill that gap through um, probably the most innovative thing we did is we launched the Mobile Heroes Lunch Clubs, where we were running typically 10 lunch clubs a month, 10 to 12 marketers in each club. Uh, each These were like, they would meet once a week for four weeks and they got to like sit down with peers. Sometimes they knew people, sometimes they didn't. And they would talk shop week after week over a four week period. And that was moderated by a marketer. You know, the conversation was moderate and that was, and it was like uh, very, very successful all year long. We did this. Oh, um, I, I can remember like 50, 60 launch clubs over, you know, for basically from, I think we started them in May through, through early December. Uh, very, very popular, you know, a very popular, very successful. It's interesting right now, you know, it's like we went through the holidays, what it looks like to me, like the community is, is kind of like slow, like slowly getting back into it you know, like not wanting to commit a whole lot of time to doing anything like just yet. Like, I think that the effect of COVID and quarantine is like, we've all slowed down, you know, we're all kind of just taking our time. And, and I'm seeing it right now with little things like, Hey, we've got like a, a webinar coming up next month. That's looking at, uh, you know, like a creative performance on iOS 14 with IDFA, you personalized, non-personalized, what, what do we see? What's working? And like, we have a couple of marketers that are joining us and one of them, like, you know, uh, had to drop out recently and we're like, great, let's go tap our network and talk to, you know, get somebody on board. And, you know, after three or four days, we still don't have someone, which is very, very rare for us. We have a very large community and we're like, wow, this is interesting. This is the second time where it's like, I think there's just sort of like this, people are moving slowly, kind of coming back from the year. Maybe there's some fatigue around, you know, with the, with the politics of, uh, in the U S as well. You know, and and so so I don't really know where the industry is at this moment. I probably hesitation, concern with the iOS 14, you know, changes coming up. But there's a bit of a mood is almost how I would describe it at the moment. Do you have any favorite campaigns that you've ran uh, over the past uh, couple of years or, or some campaigns that stuck out to you? I, I really don't have there's for me personally, there's, there's I don't have a lot of visibility. I'm not really paying too close attention to the campaigns that we're running. There's so many because a campaign is not like a, a flighted campaign per se, as much as it is, okay, we're running you know, ads, okay, we're testing, we're iterating, we're optimizing, totally. et cetera. So our creative team who designs and tests ads, they are the ones, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't actually go to them and say, hey, what's a hot campaign we ran uh, that I can share? <laughs> it's, it's not quite as, uh, as uh, perhaps... Um, you know, in your face as a CPG Super Bowl ad or, or as, uh, as kind of like, you know, lumbering perhaps as a, uh, as a large, you know, B2B enterprise uh, sales so driven true. kind of play. Uh, so I told I, the campaigns yeah, are, so are very different, like an army of yeah. hummingbirds uh, rather than, you know, something else. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, we listen, like, for example, we applied awards throughout the year, you know, we got tons of awards for technology, culture, et cetera. And anytime we see an award, that's like, uh, where are we going? We're like, what's the award, you know, rewards that they're giving out. And I go and I look and it's like, you know, and it's, it's, they'll say, okay, well, submit your, like one of your, your best campaigns. I go, that's not for us. That's like an agency that's working for a brand who ran a campaign. It was, you know, totally. it's just like, that's just the world of programmatic mobile advertising. It doesn't really work that way. I mean, maybe if we launch a new title, programmatic is like always on, always advertising, 
uh, you know, always optimizing, you know, it's not even typically like traditional brands. They'll say, okay, we've budgeted X amount of dollars. We'll put that towards a mobile campaign for us. It's like, doesn't really work that way. Cause at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're generating revenue, you know, we're uh, against the return on ad spend or CPA. So it's just like, we, you know, programmatic is just a, you just keep putting money in, you put a dollar in, you generate a dollar 20 out of it. You know, it's, it's a revenue generation, you know, it's a revenue generation machine, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like a, so much as a flighted campaign, you budget and then you're done and you move on. Okay. Let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Dennis, are you ready? Let's do it. What is your favorite band or artist? Could be new or old. Grateful Dead. What is your New Year's resolution? Ooh, have a happy, productive year. Did you pick up a hobby in the past uh, year? I've given up more hobbies than I've gained. <laughs> Less is more. Um, do you have a book or podcast that you're uh, you're reading or listening to? Uh, yeah, my my buddy Louie, he launched a podcast called uh, it's it's a, what is it App Growth or App Growth Summit? Uh, great, super funny interviews. All these uh, app marketers doesn't talk shop in the least. It's very funny, uh, very enjoyable. If you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, probably seeding and supporting startups. What's your best piece of advice for a first time head of marketing? Uh, recognize you don't know everything. Don't act as if you do and do everything you can to just maintain a big picture. Oh, I got one other piece of advice. This is a great piece of, uh, man, what the mistakes I've seen marketers do going into a company where they're going to head up marketing, stay away from any large branding initiative. Yeah. Good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, you're not going to, are you going to do the, uh, the website redesign and, uh, brand redesign? (laughs) Stay away from the. Stay away from any web or design. I mean, you're going to end up dealing with co-founders with different opinions. It's just a lost cause. Go in there and focus on any kind of demand gen activity. Address some some like short-term pain points. Just stay away from the large branding initiative. Even if they say, "Oh, we need someone to really kind of help drive branding here," just stay away from it early on. It's just a. It tends to be a, a time suck and um, and can really kind of hurt your your opportunity. What is one question you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Oh boy. What do I need to do to be successful here? Yeah. What, what do you is the question. That's it. That's a good one. I wish I was asked that more often too. Well, Dennis, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts, anything to plug? Obviously everybody should, uh, should head over to lift liftoff.io to learn more um, about what you all are doing. Yeah. Anything else? I think the last thing I'd say is, you know, like, let's, let's, um, I, I do want to just, I think it's important to uh, acknowledge, you know, Apple is going to be releasing an update to iOS 14 sometime soon uh, that will result in uh, users being required to opt in to sharing information with an app. I think we all know that it's going to, you know, limit, you know, it's like, it's going to limit the amount of users that are sharing their IDFA. And the advice is this, I've talked to a lot of friends in the industry who don't understand a ton about what it means, but they just assume that 
it will really negatively impact their marketing on, on iOS. And now, and they start thinking about putting more dollars towards Android or app to web or branding. This is probably by far one of the biggest opportunities for marketers for this year, if not through the next year. My, my advice is simply run to it, understand and figure out how to, how to, how to advertise on iOS 14 after Apple makes this change is going to really be far more successful than those that can't figure it out and run away from it. So my advice is run to it, figure out how to make it work, work with us, work with others. We're figuring it out. Do not run away from it. That's great. I love that. That's really good advice. Dennis, thanks again for, for stopping by. Really appreciate the conversation and, uh, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.